up next on Walking by Faith. So how can you be healed? First, prepare your heart with the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, to receive from God, to connect with God. We do it by faith. Welcome you to Walking by Faith. I'm so glad that you're with us today. Now, we're going to talk about a subject that many people embrace only to a small degree. And I want to talk to you about receiving healing from God. You know, it's in Psalms 103 that it says he forgives all our iniquities. And very few of us have problems believing that God will forgive our sins. But then he says that he heals all of our diseases. And I believe that he is a healer. He told us that his name is, I'm the Lord who heals you. So I want you to come with me right now and take some preconceived ideas that you have about healing, put them aside, and let's look at what the Word of God says about the subject of receiving healing by the power of God. Again, we see that God was not the author of the sickness, but Jesus said, whom Satan has bound for 18 years. And of course, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So wherever Jesus went, those that he healed, it says, were oppressed of the devil. Now, that does not mean they had a demon. It just means that ultimately sickness can be traced back to when sin and death entered into the world. And so I've heard people say, well, you know, God is just trying to teach me this, this is really a blessing, you know, sickness. But yet in Deuteronomy 28, God calls sickness a curse. In Job 42, it's called captivity. In Luke 13, Jesus called it bondage. And in Acts 10, God called it oppression, right? Uh, there can be a connection between sickness and sin. But there doesn't need to be a connection. For example, in James, it says, Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Right? But ultimately, all sickness, all disease can be traced back to sin entering into the world, right? Uh, in fact, in the Bible, it talks about deaf spirits, lying spirits, familiar spirits, spirits of divination, perverse spirits, wicked spirits, unclean spirits, foul spirits, right? And, and what, what we see here is Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. And here's the problem. Most Christians live as if Satan did not even exist. The Bible says resist him, and he'll flee from you. But most Christians live their life and they never resist Satan. Now, here's what they think. They think maybe to resist Satan is to resist sin. And that's a part of it. But it is to resist the works that he brings. 
the strife that he would bring into your family, the sickness, the disease, right? In Psalms 103, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And people will, will, will say, well, why, does God, why is God a healing God? There are so many reasons. But if we look at Jesus' ministry, right, uh, we, we can immediately identify the number one reason. In Matthew 14, it says, when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Many people think, well, he just healed to prove who he was. But again and again, when you see Jesus healing, it's because he was moved with compassion. Two blind men call out to Jesus and say, have mercy on us. So Jesus had compassion, touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Now, now what, what moved Jesus? He was moved with compassion. In Psalms 145, it says the Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. His mercies are over all his works. When those two men cried out, they cried out for mercy. Have mercy on us. What kind of mercy did they want? They wanted healing mercy. Isaiah 30 in verse 18 is a prophetic verse about Jesus' resurrection and exaltation. It says, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted. Now Philippians chapter 2 says that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he was exalted. Therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord God is a God of justice and blessed are those who wait for him. Why was he exalted? That he might have mercy, right? Another reason why God heals is Jesus revealed this to us. He said that healing is the children's bread. Jesus has a Syrophoenician woman come to Jesus. And, and she says, heal my daughter. My, my daughter is terribly sick. And, and Jesus says, I wasn't sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was sent as the Messiah to the Jewish people. And, and she, she, she says, well, well, you know, please, please. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Now, now most of us would have got offended at Jesus when he said that. He, he literally called her a dog. And she said, well, even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fell from the master's table. And Jesus said, go your way. Your daughter is healed. Now, what I want you to catch is this. Jesus said, healing is the children's bread. It's the children's bread. And it says this in Galatians. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And then if you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Jesus said, healing is the children's bread. That woman in Luke 13, he said, because she's a daughter of Abraham, she should be healed. Even on the Sabbath day, he said, she should be healed. And the Bible says, if you're Christ, 
Then are you Abraham's seed, your heirs according to the promise. Part of what belongs to you as a child of God, as a son or daughter of Abraham through the covenant, according to Jesus, is healing. And it's interesting what Jesus did in Galatians chapter 3 in verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now notice Jesus redeemed us. Literally, he bought us back from the curse of the law. Now the curse of the law is found in Deuteronomy chapter Uh, 28 beginning at the 15th verse and it runs through the end of the chapter right and it, it it actually states that part of the curse is every sickness and every disease that's mentioned in the curse and every sickness and every disease that is not mentioned in the curse is part of the curse so if you've got every sickness and every disease that's mentioned in the curse and you have every sickness and every disease that is not mentioned in the curse. How many of that's all of them? If you've got all of them that are and all of them that aren't, that's all of them. And it literally says Christ redeemed you. He bought you back from the curse of the law that the blessings of Abraham might come upon you. In fact, I'm going to take and just read this, and then I'm going to give a little bit of an explanation from a Hebrew scholar. Deuteronomy 28, verse 58 says, And if you're not careful to observe all the words of the law that are written in this book, that you may fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plague, great prolonged plagues, serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he'll bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they will cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law, the Lord will bring upon you and will destroy you. Uh, I, I, I've got a quote here by Dr. Robert Young. He is the uh, Dr. Young, the Hebrew scholar who uh, actually gave us the, the Young's analytical concordance, one of the greatest Hebrew scholars that uh, have lived in the last few hundred years, right? And and he's talking about interpretation. And he says, the difficulty lies in the fact that the active verb in the Hebrew has been translated in the causative sense when it should have been translated in the permissive sense, right? In fact, in his his, uh, book, Helps and Hints for Bible Interpretation, he uses, for example, Exodus 15, 26, which says, I will permit none to be upon thee, excuse me, I will permit to be upon, to put upon thee none of the diseases which I permitted to be brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals thee. You know, your King James says he'll put them on, but he says the proper translation is not that he puts them on, but permits It's a permissive tense. It's not that God is doing it. He's permitting it, right? Who's doing it? It's Satan that is ultimately behind sickness and disease. And healing is part of the atonement. In Isaiah 53, in our King James Bible, it says, Surely he bore our griefs, carried our sorrows. We estreamed him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. Dr. Isaac Lesser 
Translate it this way. He was despised and shunned by men. A man of pains, acquainted with disease. And as one who hid his face from us, he was despised. We esteemed him not. But only our diseases did he bear himself. And our pains he carried. Well, we indeed esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Yet he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And through his bruises was healing granted to us. And somebody said, well, which is right? The King James translators or Dr. Isaac Lesser and many others who translated the same. Well, we really don't even need to guess because the Holy Spirit brings it back to us in the New Testament where Isaiah 53 is quoted in Matthew chapter 8. And it says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the Spirit with a word, healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's why when Jesus was in the house and they let down a, a paralytic right in front of Jesus, they, they literally they made a hole in the roof and let him down on his mat with ropes right in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees begin to murmur and say, who can forgive sins but God only? And, and Jesus said to them, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Now think about that one. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed, rise up and walk? Well, for Jesus, both of them were going to cost him going to the cross. One was not any easier to say than the other because both of them would cost him the exact same thing. Now, one of the mistakes that we often make when it comes to healing, right? and, and, and I was brought up like this, you know, you, you pray and you say, you know, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, heal this person, right? Now, you say, well, that's in the Bible. You know, Jesus said, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Now, here's what we do. We take all prayer and we put it in a basket and we just figure all prayer is the same, right? That is the same as thinking that all sports, that football, basketball, baseball, and golf are all the same. How many of you know use a ball for all of them? But if you try to golf with baseball rules, you don't even have a game anymore. Right? It'd just be crazy. Right? Every one of them has different rules. And what we sometimes fail to realize is that prayer is the same way. There are seven totally distinct, different kinds of prayer in the Bible. Right? Each one is different than the other. Each one has rules that are different than the other kind of prayer. You've got a prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of commitment, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of asking and receiving, the prayer of faith, the prayer of binding and loosing. Every prayer is different and every one of them has different rules. Right? So Jesus is in the garden and, and he's praying a prayer of commitment and, and he says, he says you know, I, if there's any way for this to pass from me, let it pass, but not my will, but your will be done. And he, and then he prayed it again. And then he went back and he prayed it again. Right? 
Now, when you're praying a prayer of commitment to God, how many of you know you might need to pray that three times? You might need to pray it 300 times. Saying, God, if you want me to go to Africa as a missionary, I'll go. And today I'm ready, but tomorrow morning I don't want to go again. Anybody ever told God I'll do something or I won't do something and then had to go back and do it again? That's that prayer of commitment. And you can pray that prayer of commitment again and again and again, right? But there's a different type of prayer. In fact, the Bible says in James 5, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Not the prayer of commitment, but the prayer of faith will save the sick. Lastly, Jesus literally shows us the will of God. In Hebrews 1, it says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He's saying, in the Old Testament, God used prophets. But he said, but today, you want to know what God's will is? He says, you look at Jesus. He has spoken to us by his son. In fact, in Hebrews, quoting the Psalms, Jesus said, I have come to do thy will, O God. Jesus is a perfect picture of the will of God. In fact, again, in Hebrews 1, it says that he is the brightness of his person. Some translations say a mirror reflection, a mirror reflection. So if we want to know what God the Father is like, we just look at Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. So all the things Jesus did, forgiving the woman caught in adultery, the healing, the deliverances, everything that he did was a picture of the will of God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Does God want to heal you? Yes, he does. Many people that say, I know God can. I just don't know if he wants to. And in Matthew chapter 8, a leper comes to Jesus as Jesus is coming down the mountain, as he just preached the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he'll be coming down towards the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says that a leper met him and said, behold, this leper came, worshiped him saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So th- this, this leper, he represents every person who has this question. I know God can heal, I just don't know if he wants to heal. And Jesus, of course, just reached out, touched him and said, I'm willing. One translation, my favorite says, of course I will. Of course I will. He touched him and immediately he is made clean. In in, uh, Exodus 15, God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, which literally means I am the Lord who heals you, the Lord, your physician, the Lord, your doctor. Again, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. In the book of James, now this is written around 30 years after the resurrection. It says, is any among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. Another one of the reasons that Jesus brought healing every place he went is the Bible tells us 
in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. And again, Acts 10, 38 says, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Part of Jesus' mission was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. That's why he was manifest. And I think it's interesting that when Jesus preached, there was always healing that went along with it. When Jesus sent out the 12 disciples, he sent them out to preach and to heal. He called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. When Jesus sent out the 70, he did the same thing. He said, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. Heal the sick therein and say to them, the kingdom of God is come near to you. When Jesus is, has risen from the dead and is sending out the church, he, he says to them, he said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. The list begins with they will cast out demons and it ends with they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And of course, again, 30 years later in the book of James, they're told pray for the sick, right? It's God's will. Every time the gospel was to be preached, healing was to be a part. In fact, the Bible tells us in the gospel of Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And it says there that he could, listen, it says he could there do no mighty work except he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. It didn't say he wouldn't do any mighty works. It says he couldn't do any mighty works. And it says he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. Because they didn't believe, Jesus healing ministry was basically shut down in the town of Nazareth. And I thought it was very interesting that the seventh verse says this, and he went from village to village, all their villages, teaching. You know what the, the, the cure for unbelief is? It's teaching. Jesus went village to village, teaching. All right. It's number two. First is get faith. Build faith, prepare your heart. Secondly, if there is any sin in your life that you know of, confess that sin. Right? Again, confess your trespasses, your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Right? Thirdly, just check your heart and make sure you don't have unforgiveness against somebody. When Jesus teaches on the subject of faith in Mark chapter 11, immediately following that, he says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. Because unforgiveness and faith don't flow together. They don't flow together. You know, we, we have been forgiven, but we're forgiven so we can forgive. So if you have anything against anyone, forgive. And then fourthly, set a time to release your faith. Set a time where you say, I believe I receive now. It can be when you say amen. It can be when you're anointed with oil. It can be when hands are laid on you. But you have to have a time where it's not God is going to, 
but you say, I believe that I receive. Right? Jesus said, again, in Mark 11, talking about, about the subject of faith, he said, when you pray, believe you receive them. When you pray, believe you receive. Believe God said yes. And then you will, future tense, have them. That's why faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Then begin to thank God. And this is, this is so key. I want you to listen very careful to this verse. This is talking about Abraham. God promised him a son, but yet that son wasn't showing up. It says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith. Listen, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. As he thanked God, he grew strong in faith. As he thanked God, he grew strong in faith. Once you believe you receive, it is so important to begin to thank God for healing. And then remember this, healing is normally progressive or gradual. What people want is a miracle. When something is instantaneous, that's a miracle. But when, in fact, the Bible says, and they shall recover. They will recover. It's a process, right? And so don't think, well, I didn't get anything. No, you just continue to give glory to God. You continue to thank God. And as you do, you grow strong in faith, and it begins to amend, to improve. In fact, in Jesus' ministry, there is a rich man who comes to Jesus for a, a, a son who's very sick, and Jesus said, just go your way. And the next day, he said to them, at what hour did he begin to get better or begin to amend? Did he begin? It wasn't just like, bam, everything happened just like that. It was a process. And then lastly, hold fast to your confession. Right? Hold fast your confession. Right? For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Right? Hold fast that confession. As I've been speaking today, you realize in your heart you're not right with God or you're far from God. And you say, I really do want to be right with God. I want to invite you to bow your head and to pray this prayer from your heart, to repeat after me and just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins and I believe that he rose again and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day and I thank you that you've heard my prayer, that I am forgiven, that I'm on my way to heaven a part of your family, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you are right with God, and you're forgiven. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a book, and I want to get you this book absolutely free of charge. You can download it right there on your screens, the information, and it's just full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. I want to thank you for being with us today, and please pray for us. And if you can, please become a partner. Send a gift to help us take the gospel literally all around the world. Thank you, and God bless. At Walking by Faith, we believe in the power of prayer. Call now to share your prayer request so we can begin standing with you in prayer. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. 
Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.